This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Well, every day I talk to people about rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory conditions, sciatic arthritis, as we're going to be talking about today. And all these conditions can be influenced dramatically through our lifestyle choices. And today's guest, Carolyn, is from New Zealand, and she has kindly jumped on a recording with me to go over her story, that is, from what she's shared with me so far. But there's so much that I don't know, so I'm excited to hear all the details about where she's at with her progress on the Patterson program and also what she has left to do and what she plans to work on from this point forward. So, Carolyn, thanks so much for coming on this episode. Thank you very much. Give us a quick snapshot, a sentence or two, as to how you feel now compared to where you were, say, a couple of months ago. Okay, I was um, having a lot of pain, extremely swollen knee, um, hobbling to walk, fatigued, about to email a rheumatologist and say we need to up my medication. And I saw a Clint Patterson thing pop up and I thought I'll try it. And, yeah, from there, I'm 165 days later. I have no pain, no change in medication. So exciting, very exciting. That's very exciting. Okay. Well, fantastic. Well, your diagnosis is psoriatic arthritis. The broad or the, the greater percentage of inflammatory arthritis is rheumatoid. So I know there's some subtleties with psoriatic arthritis. How do you describe the differences when people ask you the differences? Um, for me, psoriatic arthritis affects one side of my body. So like I'll have one knee swollen or one foot or one toe and probably affects bigger joints more than my little joints, although I have um, deformed fingers and toes from it. Um, Yeah, I would say I don't have the rheumatoid factor when they do the blood test, basically, but I would say there are a lot of similarities with people I know that do have rheumatoid arthritis. It behaves pretty similarly. Yeah, and reacts very similarly as well to the interventions. Uh, The Mm -hmm. same approach that, you know, that's been put together for rheumatoid We've had so many people with psoriatic arthritis follow Patterson program and get the almost exact kind of response. And so I don't see them all as different underlying Mm. causes. I see the underlying cause as the same for all of these conditions, just with different external expressions of unhappiness for the body. But yes, the symmetric nature of the inflammation is sometimes uh, not there, as we see with rheumatoid, the rheumatoid factor, as you say. And um, yep. despite its name, quite often no psoriatic, no psoriasis symptoms. Did you yep. experience any? No, no psoriasis whatsoever. Yep. No, I was surprised when that sort of ended up being, although my father did have psoriasis like as a teenager, but um, none of the rest of my family have it. And so, yeah, when I had my initial tests, my ANA was high, my CRP was high, my ESR, but nothing else. And it's kind of over time that they've worked out that's what it is because also psoriatic arthritis or my type makes bone as well. So my joints end up to form through extra bone in them as well, if that makes sense. Right. Extra yeah. calcification. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, how did you get diagnosed? 
Um, when I was diagnosed when I was 36, but I was 30 when I started having symptoms after my second child, mm. I had my knee swell and I had gone back to work. She was three months old and I turned and I thought, Oh, my knee. And so from there, it just swell. Well, swelling was huge. Um, and at that point they, oh, after a couple of months, cause I couldn't walk, my knee ended up so big. I just, I literally like your picture in your TED talk, actually, I couldn't bend it, couldn't straighten it, couldn't walk, had a baby. Um, couldn't do anything hardly with my child. And so when they did an MRI, they found that there was um, damage to the cartilage, just assumed it was a random sort of incident. Um, slowly over a year and a half, my knee went back to normal. But when it went back to normal, my other knee swelled well, swell up at the same. And so that time after about a month, I gave in and took some non-steroidals because I was you know, breastfeeding the first time, I wasn't going to take anything. And um, that kind of slowly eased it off. And yeah, so over a period of time, up to six years, I had random swellings of knees that um, completely immobilized me, like on the couch, leg and ear, extreme pain, um, just felt so sick. Um, anyway, after at year six, I went to the doctor because I had a swollen knee, it just wouldn't settle, and my foot started swelling as well and said, please do some autoimmune screening, which I had asked for initially, but they only tested uh, for lupus antibodies. They didn't do a full screen for some reason. Yeah, so when that returned, that's when I ended up under rheumatology and started my journey on taking medication. Did I hear that correctly? And you say after year six? Six, did, six years. You did yeah. six years of alternate inf massive inflammation in the knees and then slowly progressing into, I think you said, your wrists before you went and sort of uh, got some serious medical care. I, I had along been attending doctors I had seen many GPs none of which who probably even really know the condition or they may have done blood tests that I'd asked for earlier also I'd been seeing physiotherapists who said this just doesn't behave this is not normal to have this massive swelling Carolyn like yeah. we're talking huge like a soccer ball on your knee not just oh your knee's a bit sore and a bit swollen it's extreme you can't bend it or straighten it mm. so yeah six years that took Mm -hmm. hmm. And I tried like the first time I had no medication, the sixth time, next time um, non-steroidals. Yep. Third time I had Celerex, which actually ended up burning my stomach and I ended up in hospital really unwell with ulcerated stomach. We'll let our audience make their own interpretation about uh, the, the, the marketing versus the, the in-practice uh, use of that one. Now, in this time when you were having the alternating knee swelling and progression mm -hmm. to the wrists, and you were seeing physiotherapists and probably looking at some other alternative therapies. Mm -hmm. Surely you must have thought this seems autoimmune related and, you know, it just seems like a long time. Yeah, um, and I'm also, I am a nurse by trade, so I have seen people with rheumatoid arthritis, but when you don't, um, you don't have the rheumatoid factor, it doesn't fit the standard picture. Like you could, each time I could sort of pinpoint it to something that happened that I thought hurt uh -huh. that knee, but... You know, when it got to the foot, I was like, actually, you know, this has just done it itself. There's, I didn't randomly twist that knee because both my knees, each time I had an MRI and there was damaged cartilage, but not knowing that, that was because of the arthritis and the inflammation, you know. And yes. I saw orthopedic surgeons. I saw two of them who said, oh, yes, your knee's very swollen. You know, that's, we can do some surgery to fix it. But no one at any point recognized or saw it as, I guess, psoriatic arthritis. It didn't, you know, there's the family like Crohn's. I didn't have Crohn's. I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of the other things that, the doctors probably commonly, mm. you know, link to autoimmune arthritis. Right, mm. right. Okay. Well, you got there in the end and mm -hmm. you saw a rheumatologist and they 
uh, gave you the um, the diagnosis. Um, talk us through then. Now, I also want to just to clarify how long ago that was. You gave us you, you gave us a piece of the I'm puzzle. I'm eleven years now. Eleven yeah, years. Eleven right. years. Yeah. I was okay. thirty years old and I'm forty-one now. So yeah, it's eleven years since I first had symptoms, and it took six years to be diagnosed. And then I've been here through lots of medication since. <laughs> talk us through that. Talk us through your experience with the meds. Um, very interested to hear. Okay, so um, I started off on sulfasalazine, which worked, oh, it was nearly two years, and they said, look, we need to be sure you don't have something called reactive arthritis, which can sometimes go away, like it happens after an illness, or we need to be sure you need these medications because they all have strong side effects. So I was having all my blood tests continuously to check my liver, whatnot. Um, yeah, so when I reduced that, it stopped working, and it took two and a half years to get anything to work after that. So. From the sulfasalazine, I just went from swollen joint to pain to fatigue for two and a half years. And that was with, I had prednisone, I had leflunamide, which made my hair fall out in massive handfuls. That's a rave. That's a rave, right? Yeah. It could be. It's leflunamide in New Zealand. I don't know the name of it. Oh, over there. hang on. It's either Plaquenil or, yeah, I, I shouldn't be uh, ad-libbing those uh, those <laughs> okay. commercial names. But, yeah, while you, uh, while you talk, I'll confirm. I think it's a rave. I think I did see that on it. Actually, I think it is, yeah. Um, prednisone I had prepared, but that doesn't work for my arthritis. For some reason, I can take how much it doesn't change the joints. Mm-hmm. Even um, steroid injections into joints, I've had lots of those as well. Um, I took methotrexate, which I only had for a few weeks. It made me just so sick. I just vomited and vomited despite the follicle. Wow, yep. And so once I, I had to go through the process of going through all those medications, even though they didn't work, I had to take them for a certain period of time. Or, you know, until I could be funded for that embryo, which I started, must be nearly two years now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And we just dropped out for a moment there. So I just want to back up and just to confirm, uh, first of all, that yes, the leflunamide is a raver and that you said that in the New Zealand medical system, because it's similar to the Australian medical system, uh, that it's uh, government sort of driven, that the government don't want to just frivolously pay for these extraordinarily expensive biologic drugs. And so you have to qualify to get them covered by the government by failing other treatments first, correct? Yep, that's exactly right. Right. For a certain time, like I had to take the prednisone for three months, even though it didn't help my joints, maybe put on weight, felt like I had no stomach, but it, um, it, it wasn't all along. Yeah, it just, prednisone doesn't work for me. And I already knew that, but I had to do the three month period. Yeah. yeah, and also because my CRP elevates, but it doesn't elevate hugely like some people's do. Like for me, 30 is high, mm-hmm. um, and so I have to be above a certain CRP for a certain whatever period as well. So there's oh, a lot crazy. of crazy. That's crazy yeah. because everyone's different. It's not yeah, like – Yeah, and at 30, yeah. I just feel like I'm dying. My fatigue is huge. My whole body is inflamed. I can't eat. You know, when it's that high, I'm I'm really unwell, even though someone else might not be. Wow. So you almost have to sort of uh, manipulate the system by allowing your body to deteriorate poorly for the days prior to the blood test so that when you get the blood test, you then qualify via the system to get the markers in your blood to get on the drug. Yeah, I guess. Because my CRP wasn't at the right levels, I ended up just having to go through all the medications and see how my body reacted or if they worked, which they didn't work until I got to the embryo. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's quite fascinating. And 
similar to here, as I, as, as I said, similar to a, the Australian system. Whilst there are so many benefits to the government healthcare system, there are obviously some, some challenges associated with it as well, like we've just been discussing. Whereas, say, in the United States, you get on your very extraordinarily expensive healthcare uh, program. For example, um, for our family of five in Florida, if we go through Florida Blue, which is the standard uh, healthcare provider, after all the mm-hmm. others shut down because it wasn't profitable enough to um, mm-hmm. their competitors closed because it wasn't profitable enough to uh, to serve the public who are like we're you know self employed. We're looking at between sixteen hundred and eighteen hundred US dollars per month. Wow, per month. Okay, that's for mm-hmm. a family of five, which is just absolutely blows my mind. Uh, coming from Australia where, yes, we've got these little hoops we have to jump through for the government to say, okay, I'll fund your $50,000 drug a year. But, and one of the, and I'm getting off on a tangent, but, um, (laughs) you know, you talk healthcare and it just fires off all of these emotions in me because they have this uh, non-pre-existing condition rule. So that basically Mm -hmm. they assume that if you're joining, you're a worst case scenario. You know, you're, you know, my family, all of us have got this disaster that's going to be presenting the moment we sign up. So they've covered, they cover themselves for that by charging extraordinary amounts for, for self-employed. Anyway, look, there's more to it than that, but uh, that's just our unique circumstance with that. So back on track with your story, you've hit the Enbrel. Tell us about your experience with Enbrel. Um, Enbrel has had the least side effects that I know of. <laughs> like physically, I haven't noticed side effects like I did on all the other ones. Um, with the sulfazalazine, I had headaches so bad. I would come home from work and just go to bed. And I didn't realize until I stopped it that that was a side effect. If that makes sense. I don't get them anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the embryo, probably about a year of it was really good. And then each year, kind of winter, for some reason, in winter is when I'm my worst. That's when I have flare ups. And so I was having little niggles. And then um, when I found your program, I'm trying to remember how long ago that was. I um, that's when I was having like I probably nearly two months. My knee was just kept swelling up, down, up, down. Like the embryo wasn't working like it did, and I was thinking, ah, oh, I have to get in touch with my rheumatologist. Like literally, I took photos of my knee. I was about to email her because I have a really awesome rheumatologist, and say, look, this isn't what am we going to do? Because I know she's told me in the past there's kind of one more option after this, and that's an IV version, which I'd rather not go near but you know yeah so that's when um i found your program and started and yeah literally within two days had extreme change no swelling within day two Mm. wow okay fantastic so just for us to to set the picture correctly and accurately you'd been on enbrel for uh, a long period of time multiple years multiple years i'd say I'm trying to remember. I think it was about September. I think it would be two years this September since I started it. Okay. And this is really valuable for people who are considering a biologic drug. You said that you got the least amount of side effects from Anbrol, but your symptoms started to almost uh, break through the drug uh, after a period. Probably about a year on it. Not quite. They started, yep, they were definitely not as extreme, but enough that I was limping. My muscles were going out of my thigh because my knee was getting too swollen. So, yeah, each week I'd get to the point where I'd know, kind of felt like it was wearing off, you know. But yeah. then by the time I, I found your program, it was like I just stayed swollen for that whole month and I was like, oh, I really need to 
is not okay. <laughs> okay. Just yeah. whilst we're on the educational path for biologic drugs, you were taking the injection weekly, correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And might still be. We'll hear about that in a second. Yeah. Um, and were, were you finding, like a lot of my clients who I work with, uh, that by the time day six comes around, you kind of really want to do the injection because you already feel like the, the weekly injection is starting to wane. So you go through this mm-hmm. almost like a wave thing where it, it, was that yeah. your experience also? Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. great. Thank you. Because we've never really, uh, on other uh, episodes, I've never really gone into that level of detail with these injectables. Okay, fabulous. And But what you're finding is that then it was not really having that effect. Those wave of reliefs were not there. Your symptoms were returning. And so the drug that had provided you with almost like the, the way the doctors describe these biologic drugs is they're like this incredible solution for this disease. But what I see and the feedback that I get is that these biologic drugs, just like the rest of them, offer a period of time where we get great relief if we're lucky. But then, like all of them, there's a time limit before when they actually provide uh, and when it actually starts to wane. Yeah. I've never thought of that for other people, but that's definitely been my experience with all of them. And once something doesn't work, like a non-steroidal work the first time, never worked since. You know, sulfazalazine, as soon as it stopped working, it doesn't work again. So I was kind of afraid, would be the word, that, oh, no, my embryo's stopping working, you know, what's next? What are my options? <laughs> yeah, and make a comment around the sulfasalazine not working and then finding it hard to get on another drug. I mm-hmm. see this all the time too. This is why when someone is on a pharmaceutical treatment plan that is working, I don't want them to touch it at all. It, it's like a delicate uh, mm-hmm. stack of Lego. You don't go near it because it's so, it's so easy to knock that arrangement over mm-hmm. and have consequences that take months, years to rectify, just like your sulfasalazine experience. And so, yeah. you know, someone, for example, might be on methotrexate and Plaquenil. Let's just hypothetically put those two together. And then what can happen is that liver enzymes go up on the methotrexate. And so then the rheumatologist will instantly take them off the methotrexate because liver enzymes elevated can be dangerous, okay? So liver toxicity come immediately off the methotrexate. Then they're just on the Plaquenil and then symptoms start to return slowly after a few months whilst they watch the liver enzymes drop back down. And then reinstating the methotrexate again might not have the same level of effect as if it had just been run continually. So what was the solution? Well, there are ways with folic acid to add folic acid before and after, bridge the methotrexate to try and reduce the liver toxicity, which is what my doctor did and thankfully was able to bring my liver enzymes down by doing that. You have to do what the doctor says, which is obviously protect from the impact of of this scenario. Now, in doing so, we've disrupted the delicate Lego balance and it just becomes very difficult thereafter to try and reestablish that balance. And so once we're in a good position and if we're on drugs that don't hurt the gut, we want to be so, so careful with reducing and tapering our medications, just taking one brick at a time off that Lego stack so we don't knock it over because it's all so delicate. 
So I just wanted to add that little story metaphor or whatever, and uh, and then we can now proceed to talk about post PP after you began uh, the program. You've had great experience in the first couple of days. Talk us through the whole process here. Um, the first two days I absolutely hated because I hate celery, and so drinking celery and cucumber was so painful. One day I knocked my glass over, and I didn't think that was a bad thing. <laughs> I really did struggle, but anyway, I so but by this night on the second day, literally that leg, that knee that had been swollen for however long was the swelling was gone. It's amazing. Yes. Just in two days. Yeah. And so then I ate buckwheat and quinoa, you know, for about twelve days. I didn't love that either, but I stuck with it. (laughs) I made everyone who came here try it just so they could enjoy my pain or something. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Share the misery. Yeah, I certainly did. And so, yeah, from there, um, I just started adding. And along the way, um, I found a few things that, you know, uh, okay on your program, but just my body and not okay with potatoes and tomatoes as much as I'd love to eat them. I can guarantee I'll just get ache in my joint. It doesn't swell, but there's a definite ache that's that turns up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can easily and happily eat how I am eating now 165 days. And it just um. Yeah, it's just become my way of eating. And everyone around me that works with me knows me. They've just become used to what I'm doing and see probably because they see how much healthier and better I'm feeling. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So how far through the reintroduction process have you been able to get? Um, I've pretty much everything on your list that you have printed except for those that I can eat. I don't go near wheat, so I haven't tried any of the sourdough stuff. I tend to, mm-hmm. um, in my previous trials of trying to get rid of this or help myself, I've had, I've spent like six months eating totally raw. I've spent six months doing an autoimmune paleo diet. I've spent thousands on everything, natural potion, lotion, sun thing under the sun, none of which actually helped like this has. Yep. Yes. Um, that was also yeah. my experience as well. Um, yeah. I had sufficient pain relief from raw vegan to mm-hmm. justify me being on it for eight months, but the weight loss associated with that was so extreme that my self-confidence became very, very um, uh, a problem um, and mm-hmm. lost a lot of muscle mass, which took a long time to put back on. Whilst most people who are approaching this program from a Western diet will also lose weight on this because it's less calorie dense, that does stabilize. And also um, there's no issue with uh, muscle development, protein intake and so forth. So so I would agree. Yeah, that's how I felt. And just probably not enough carbs. Like I find if I have some rice or something that I just feel really even all the time. Not I'm not like high energy, low energy. I'm just on me all the time. Not like when you eat like standard American diet, you seem to go flat after you eat things. Or even when I was raw, it was just was difficult to sustain my energies. Yeah. Yeah. And same with the autoimmune paleo. It was I'd often be quite flat on that. Yes. Well, if you're eating a lot of fat on that, just any any animal product is 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 inherently mm. high in fat. I also struggled because I've been vegetarian for years, so I really struggled with that one. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's um, it is a struggle. Uh, so 
This is also, uh, sorry, this is obviously sensational. So, Hal, you mentioned a number, 100 and something days. Uh, how many months mm-hmm. are we talking? Are we talking five months or something since you started? Yeah, I think so. Just over, I think, yeah. Okay. Um, physically, how do you appear? Uh, you've sent through some pictures. I hope you allow me to share those on our yep. transcription Absolutely. page. on our, yeah. yep. I mean, you look like you're an athlete now. <laughs> in comparison, I feel like one. Um, I work out that the lady over here in New Zealand who does an um, online thing um, called Kate Ivy. So I follow her and it's all to do with physical body movement, you know, like using your own body. And so to get that sweat till your, you know, everyday type stuff, that's what I use because I can't get to Bikram yoga. My knees are so had it that I can't run or anything like that because they're still they're damaged from the years of inflammation. So um yeah, using that, and I've been able to do it in the past because I had tried prior to starting your program. I had to message the lady Kate and say, "Look, I can't do this. My knee is so swollen." And so it's been so cool about it, exercising, keep keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Physically, I just feel so much better. It's unbelievable. Um, where have you developed most most of your strength in working with her? Um, my thighs, especially, you know, I couldn't do squats or anything like that in the beginning because my muscles over the years so many times have been, you know, gone away because my knees swell. You literally, your muscles just disappear. They're just floppy things. So by being able to do her exercises and support my knee, so my knee pain is hugely reduced. Hmm. Okay. I'm fascinated by this because I would say one in three people watching this have probably got knee pain and find it hard to exercise. We could just... uh explore this a bit further, I might want to recommend her to everybody. Uh, And so the exercises that she recommends enable you to build your quads and your glute muscles without loading the knee. Yeah, you can. I mean, she has low impact type stuff, which I started with, and now I do her live one, which is just what everyone does. And they're all like you you follow her online, but it's all targeted at, at your level, at your, you know, it's, yeah, it's really good. I really... I find it. I found it excellent. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, can you just repeat back her name again? Kate Ivy. Kate Ivy, New Zealand based. Yep. yep. Kate Ivy Health and Fitness. I think she is on. She's online, New Zealand. She's a, she's got a like a degree in what she does, but she works from home now. She has children, and yeah, really. What a, what a great yeah. contribution to the world. There we go. She's mm. had she's had children. She's found it hard to, you know, professionally balance that. But thought, look, I'm at mm. home. I'm 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 going to be able to provide yeah. you know a service for people. Okay, that sounds great. I'm going to look her up. Yeah, some, some you do online. Some you um you can have personal one-on-one contact with her, which is really motivating. Yeah. And yeah, I found her really excellent. Okay. Oh, great tip. Um, mm-hmm. because strength is just so important. You know, if we think about rheumatoid, sciatic, if we think about these conditions, um, and we put ourselves in the mindset of having them and experiencing that, the word that frequently is not present is strength. But Mm -hmm. if we have enhanced strength, it seems to displace all the other stuff that that we have in our minds when we think of those conditions because they almost can't exist at the same time. You can't be really strong and have inflammatory arthritis. They almost don't exist. And mm. so by building strength, we draw, we drive out the pain and inflammation. 
um, because strong connective tissue to the joint, strong muscles that support uh, either side of the joint, just make the joints work better, work in a natural way and provide this self-confidence and provide an ability to to do more exercise, which is then creates this positive snowball effect of health. So I, I love this word strength, and I think that it needs to be a word that we use often. And we say, so I'm getting stronger, I feel strong. Um and 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 these sort of this word usage is powerful. So well done. Yeah. You look strong in the picture you sent. <laughs> That's um with Kate, you can set goals and bits and pieces. And so um that was what I always want was strength is all the what I you know, people want to lose weight and look amazing. I just want to be strong. I um ride horses competitively, which at many a time I've not been able to because of my arthritis. And now I was like, I just want to look strong and ride well and and that's what I can do because I'm stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. So what about uh have you got some a couple of tips? or uh, uh, learning experiences uh, that you'd like to share for other people who are doing the program? Um, I would say what are some things I think I've always have something prepared because quite often I would be hungry and I just couldn't be bothered. So I would just be like, oh, I'm not making anything, but then you would lose that energy. So preparing, even if it's your buckwheat you don't like, <laughs> just have it ready because <laughs> you'll learn to like it. Yeah. Something I was about to ask you. Oh. Do you find it better when you eat frequently small amounts or do you find that eating only when you're hungry and eating a lot works better? Yeah, I only eat when I'm hungry and sometimes that's a lot and sometimes it's not much. For me, that's I don't get up and have breakfast because you should have breakfast. Some days I get up and I'm hungry. Some days I find I'm not hungry for lunchtime and I don't know if that's right, but for me that is right. Yeah, so I I find that and I do, I eat a lot when I'm hungry and when I'm not, I just eat. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're totally guided by your hunger. Oh, if you're yeah. hungry, you think, look, my digestive system is ready to crush whatever I put in it. And yeah. then I eat and it works well. I, I, yeah. I must say my experience over the years has been very similar and only during times when I'm wanting to actively try and gain weight uh, and putting food into me more than what I really feel the need for, which, by the way, is really common for people. They often think, look, I'm full, but if I eat a different flavor like a dessert or some other chocolate or something, my taste buds will totally shift and it'll be like a shock and it'll be easy to eat something else. But, I mean, when you're eating sort of a consistent meal and you get to a point where you feel full, uh, it's kind of natural, you know. Anyway, I always found that eating when hungry provided almost no consequences even if the foods were a little bit more challenging than what i felt that i maybe should be eating it was kind of if i'm hungry the fire's burning and will burn whatever i throw at it but if i'm not hungry i got to be careful what i eat because the digestion at that point is a bit weak yeah and interestingly i weighed myself every day because i think it said that in the book so i just wrote it down every day which didn't matter the numbers but sometimes i could eat like a horse for two days because I just was really hungry. My weight would go down. Other days I wouldn't hardly eat much for a couple of days and it would go up. So it's just, I don't know, for some reason that's how your body, sometimes it needs fuel and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, okay. I think that's great. We've, uh, I think we've got the, the main um, bulk of what we wanted to cover uh, already done. Now mm -hmm. you're, you, you've still got your Enbrel dose at play. Yeah. You and I have yep. chatted. Um, you're going to be part of Patterson Program support from this point onwards, and I'm going to be able to work with you over the next year. 
and I can assist you with the process of ever so delicately uh, addressing the uh, medication dosages uh, with your rheumatologist who you've said is fantastic. And obviously everything uh, will be run past her and with her and so forth. Um, It's an interesting one coming off biologic drugs. You know, the ways that, honestly, the way it happens mostly is rheumatologists having to take you off from side effects. That's the number one far and away most frequent way that I see people coming off biologic drugs. Mm -hmm. It's because doctor has to take you off because you've got pneumonia or you've got tuberculosis or something. I mean, Stuff happens, Some. right? Yeah. 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 And so the way off it naturally is actually so uncommon because rheumatologists have never seen it. They don't ever see or feel comfortable with people trying to come off these biologic drugs because they honestly uh, don't know the connection between what causes this disease and what causes the symptoms. And so if they don't understand how to address the cause, then they think the cause can never be fixed. Mm. And so they also feel that the disease is impossible to treat without medications and they have a love affair for biologic drugs. And so why, with all of that mixture of things, why would you even touch something mm. that's, that's working for you? Having said all that, you know, there's sort of two lines of approach here coming off these medic- these biologic drugs. One is to reduce dosage, which isn't so common because normally there's a fixed dose. And the other is to address the intervals between the injections, which is the way that many of my clients are, are addressing this, which is instead of it being every seven days, they stretch it to eight days for a couple of weeks and then to nine days and so on. So you and I can have these kind of discussions and you can discuss them with a rheumatologist and see what the rheumatologist feels comfortable with. But if there's one thing that's for sure, there's no rush. We talked about this this uh, stack of Lego and how it's so delicate. We don't want to make a sulfasalazine mistake here. Okay, that's the last thing we want, right? So what we want to achieve is a very, very cautious and controlled and um, calculated uh, systematic, slow approach here that could take a couple of years, could take a year or two, right? Where mm-hmm. um, you're constantly watching how your body responds to the slightly extended distances between injections, as well as your expansion of your foods, you know, your attention to exercise and making sure that's maintained. And as you mentioned, the weather, you know, we don't want to feel great in summer and on a lower, like um, injections are further apart and then realize, oh no, winter's come and now the injections apart aren't really holding this the way that we want. So you can see how this is a a very, very long-term thing and what we ought to feel very good about is that you're on one medication of which has no direct negative impact on your gut and you're doing what I consider to be the ultimate approach to healing your gut and establishing a great gut health at the same time and your exercise is fantastic and you're optimistic and positive and now you're about to have the right support around you. So you're in great shape, right? Thank you. Yeah, so it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Certainly is. It gives you hope anyway, because sometimes you don't have much hope when you have this 
thing. <laughs> oh, most definitely. <laughs> Every everyone who's who has this condition at times has had terrible hope outlook and just thinks this is it even worth it? You know, everyone I am sure. Just it's uh, so miserable, right? Let's face it, it's so miserable. But we can yeah. do, we can use that frustration and anger and misery, which are strong emotions and they contain a lot of energy around them, into positive action and just say, okay, this sucks. All right, what am I going to do about it? Because yeah. better to take action than to, to sort of yeah. than to let that, it affect you. Yeah, that's what's made doing this for me easy. Like eating like this has not been an issue because of all those years and just like the biggest thing for me as well as pain is being fatigued like I could just I'd come home from work and just have to go to bed and to have energy that is the biggest thing I've loved about this the most like to just do a day and then come home and do a whole another day and not be exhausted is amazing yeah that's fantastic yeah great all right well thank you so much for sharing your story with us today and we uh, look forward to uh, maybe hearing from you again in another year or two and uh, updating us again. But, uh, you know, congratulations. You've achieved a tremendous amount by putting in a tremendous amount of effort. You've done a lot of work to get uh, here where you are in the last five months. Uh, so well done. Thank you. All Thanks right. Bye for now. See ya. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.